This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Hi, welcome to another great episode of Material Is Your Business on Mouth Media Network. I'm really excited about today's guest because I just got back from traveling and it was such a pain to carry my suitcase. And I had this dream of couldn't I not carry it, arrive to my hotel and have my clothes 3D printed in my closet to my exact specifications. Well, this is the woman to make it happen. We're here with Sylvia Heisel, the founder of Heisel, and the show starts right now. Hey, I'm Sylvia Heisel, and I'm a fashion designer, and I work with new technologies for fashion and new materials and manufacturing, especially with 3D printing. And what I love about materials is that they are the thing that touches your body. From New York City, this is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Your hosts for this episode are Samantha Cortez, international consultant and founder of Samantha's Platform, and Stephanie Benedetto, CEO and co-founder of Queen of Raw. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome, everyone. I'm Stephanie Benedetto, and I'm joined by my co-host, Samantha Cortez. Hola. And we're here today with Sylvia Heisel, the founder of Heisel. Hey, all. Uh, We're really excited to have you, and the way we typically start the show is with kind of a high-level thumbnail sketch of who you are, what you do, and and how you got into it. Wow. Okay. So who I am, what I do, uh, I'm a fashion designer, and I started out in traditional fashion a long time ago. I had my own line doing women's evening wear and got pretty successful in that and had a lot of fun with it and then got to a point where it was just like, oh my God, I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. And fashion is supposed to be what's new. And instead I've got this brand where the stores want the same thing over and over and over again from me. And it's stopped being creative and I've started panicking about sustainability issues in fashion and all this. And I just needed to change and take a step back. And so I sort of went back to school almost, although not to a formal school, and got into studying new technologies for fashion, initially from a sustainability point of view. And the more I went into that, the more it was like, there is so much new technology that can really change fashion and that can make fashion sustainable and make it better and make it just improve our lives. Um, rather than just repeating the same stuff. And so that's what I do now. And I know you've really quickly become kind of one of the the guru go-tos in the fashion industry on 3D printing, both from the actual manufacturing process. How do you print? How do you build this kind of a machine as well as in the application? How do we make this work for fashion? And how did you learn how to do that, especially as it's such a new technology, at least for fashion and making it work? It's a super new technology. Well, it's, you know, the 3D printing itself is actually a pretty old technology, uh, but it became new again in the last few years because there were patents expiring and because there was the creation of the first desktop 3D printer, making it possible for people to print at home in a limited way, which is actually how I initially saw 3D printing was that my husband and I were at Maker Faire and there was this kit 
that was the first MakerBot. And you could put it together and you could make stuff. And we were like, oh my God, this is so cool. How can we use it? What do we do with this thing? How do we get one? And um, and the first things that we made were um, customized iPhone cases that had people could order with their initials in them. And and it sort of went on from there. And now, you know, 3D printing is developing crazy, crazy quickly. The things every month, there are new machines and new materials you can print with. And the improvements are coming really quickly. So initially, you know, two years ago, I did an interview where I was like, now we're never going to 3D print clothes because it's too limited. It's never going to work. And then a year later, I started actually 3D printing clothes. And we're not there yet on making it compete with sewing and able to be mass produced, but we're really close. Um, That's so, it's so interesting. And I know that there are so many different filaments and materials out there that you can use and and where it started, which was a little bit more of a, of a harder texture and feel and where we're going in terms of flexibility. Uh, Can you tell a little bit about kind of some of the most exciting and new cutting age filaments that are out there that designers can use? I think there's, well, there's two things with that. One is that at its core, 3D printing is additive manufacturing, and it's any kind of manufacturing where you are putting stuff together and assembling it layer upon layer to make something rather than cutting away or taking away the way you are with any kind of traditional sewing and fabric and stuff where there's waste. So if you just think of it as additive manufacturing... And then what materials can you take and make into that and and use that way? That's the base. And some of those are really out there things. Um, and then there's – and some of them, I think, that, that work in terms of fashion. There's a lot of sustainable materials. There's a bioplastic coming out of corn that we've been working with that we're really excited about, which is a totally – it makes a totally compostable, flexible piece of clothing. Um, and there's some stuff – coming that I just heard about that comes out of sugar-based and is a polyester that's 100% sustainable and compostable, which is super cool. That So is, when you, you say know, compostable, you can literally do what with it? Compostable, I mean, wait, compostable is a really funny term right now because our government just changed the legal on what you can call compostable in a sort of ugly way. And that's you know, kind of weird and a problem. But basically compostable means that you can take a piece of clothing that's made from that filament, bury it in the ground, and it will be 100% gone within a year or two. Um, So you are really at something where, you know, that makes fast fashion possible that, okay, I love this dress, I'm going to wear it for a year, and then I'm going to bury it in the backyard, and it's going to go back into the earth without any harm. It's like we're not a fan of fast fashion here. <laughs> I know you're. I know you're not. But it's not going away. So the at least let's make it into something that's not harming the planet. I actually have a friend that has the original 3D printers that was created like. 15, 20 years ago. Right. And I've been wow. watching the technology for the longest, and I'm really, really excited about it. And 
But I do have to say, the first uh, few trade shows that I did go, where the 3D printers were presented, they were extremely slow. How advanced have you gotten in sense of the speed of these 3D printers? Um, it's, It's improving really quickly. It's not there yet in terms of competing with traditional manufacturing on most things, but it is coming. I think the first the first mass market example that we're going to see on the market is that Adidas just announced this uh, 3D printed shoe with carbon. And that is a, you know, that's actually 3D printed mass production and economically feasible. It is not an environmentally friendly material, but it is at least a zero waste Manufacturing, I I, um, I heard about those and right. I spoke to them um, recently, and they said it takes for each shoe like forty five minutes for mass production. That they're trying to get it down to twenty. Well, but nobody is doing anything. You know, one of the things you also have to think about is that that during that twenty minutes, there isn't any active labor. There's a machine. So you don't have, it's a different metric of manufacturing than traditional manufacturing and sewing. Um, you know, but admittedly, it is not there for mass scale at this point. It is by now getting fast enough for a lot of things where smaller volume is possible and it enables smaller volume, which you couldn't have had otherwise. You, you couldn't, for a smaller manufacturer or designer, that you can make things in small quantity that otherwise, you know, you would have you would have been told, no, you have to make 1,000 of these or 10,000 of them, and you need 10 of them. And, and that's what I think is so great and something that 3D printing can be, that value add and that benefit for the students and the emerging right. independent designers who a lot of times are, are struggling to compete with the bigger players. But here's something where they have an advantage uh, where they can get access to this stuff and in the quantities they need at the price point they need and in the time they need. Right. So I know you're doing a lot of work in how to get some of these 3d printed materials, both the, the buttons and patches and raw materials, as well as the completely finished goods out there and people get access to it. Where can they find things like this and how can people get into it if they're not already? Um, well, you know, they can go to queenofraw.com um, <laughs> for a lot of it. They can go to heisel.co and we can help them if they have a design, if they have something in mind that they want to make but don't have the skill in either the CAD files that you need for 3D printing or understanding the materials and the manufacturing processes necessary because there are so many different types of materials and different ways to 3D print. Um, And so many different, if you, you know, you specifically want to manufacture locally or so, because that's another thing that 3D printing does is that you can be nearby. I think that's uh, amazing. Um, and actually, the, the I've always looked at 3D printing as development stage. I've yes. always looked at it as that. Yes. So, but it's it, it's really uh, a very interesting what you are doing in sense of servicing the industry. Can you talk to a little bit about that 
in sense of providing a little bit more you just mentioned? Yeah, I think, well, it sort of just has kind of happened organically because people have come to us going, oh, I want to do a, you know, I want to do this. Is it possible in 3D printing? And I've had this idea and can you make that? And a lot of them, you know, a lot of them, they aren't all possible. Um, but what we really saw was a, that there's a gap between what designers understand of manufacturing and what the 3D printing world understands. Um, and we've had, you know, some really funny experiences explaining to 3D printing people what a shoulder seam is or, you know, a collar is or something. And um, <laughs> I find that extremely great because what we see now with all this new technology is the synergy between the designers and then the engineers that create yes. the equipment plus the chemists that put the products together. Right. Have you had any experience like particular that's kind of weird besides that? Um, yeah, I mean, on every, well, you know, on every level and people come with each project is super different, whether it's, you know, I'm having to learn a lot more about materials and chemistry than I ever thought I would as a designer. I think that's one of the main things that you know, I've really learned besides learning the printing is to go, okay, I'm going to have to know what the core chemicals are on all these materials. And no one teaches that in fashion. And when you go in and you look at textiles, normally it's just about what do they look like and what do they feel like and nothing about what is their performance. And then you go out and you work with technology companies and there are all these scales of shore A and these things for different like performance scales and measuring and what are the core materials and melting points and all this stuff that we never thought about in fashion. <laughs> It's a lot, and it's definitely yeah. why I think the design community needs the people like you who are able to offer that expertise and the consulting around the actual practical applications of it. Are you finding that there are any materials or processes with respect to 3D printing that maybe are particularly good applications for fashion and ones to maybe stay away from that are a little bit harder to work with? I know sometimes some people start looking into kind of more of the metals as right. well, which jewelry and, and, or, and how can we, uh, are there any tips of the trade or places they can look? Um, I think, you know, well, the, the obvious things right now are things like we're doing with the buttons and things and that kind of smaller accessories and all of that's really exciting. Prototyping for things that will be cast or injection molded is also still a lot of what 3D printing really does is that if you want to make a piece of jewelry, it's probably still better in the end to cast it in metal, but you can very inexpensively design it and 3D print it and know exactly, come up with exactly what you want in the design before you go and you spend a lot of money on molds and casting and especially if you're doing something with fine metals and you know if you're doing gold you really don't want to screw around with is this going to look exactly the way I want it to but those casts are really really expensive yes yes so you really want to get it right and 3d printing offers a way to do that um, and I think 
some of the other, you know, clothing is still really difficult. There's a lot of cool stuff with branding and fun pieces that you couldn't easily, that things that you used to have to make millions of in China to get that you can 3D print. So it really becomes kind of a, a powerful tool and technology, especially for kind of the made in U.S., made in right. America movement, wanting yes. to bring things that they can do here and, and back to here. And um, I mean, oh, one other that I just was thinking of as we were talking about that and with buttons is that there is a material coming out that is a it's a plastic, but it's made from old paper plastic bags in India, which is so cool. Like they are literally, they've set up a little factory to take plastic bags that are in like garbage heaps and turn them into 3D printing filament. And then we're working on that as a line of buttons. Have you created in any, um, in your process of creating the 3D printer that's admirable, um, the process of the filament to take your own type of material and create that long filament that would be used for the 3D printer. We work with some companies that do that. Um, we don't do it ourselves. It's not something I would want to get into. It needs a lot of space and a lot of uh, equipment and technology to do it. Um, but we do work with a few different companies that do it. We work with one that's a filament manufacturer that is doing all kinds of experimental biomaterials that are super cool. And they have, they have, they're doing one that's from uh, car windshields and they're turning that into filament and stuff. And then some others that will do, if you want a custom Pantone color or something like wow. that, where it's really customized. Um, that of course gets into, you know, it's very small volume compared to what it would have been in, you know, you go to China and you manufacture, but it still becomes bigger volume than... It's part of the what, development. Yeah. It's part of the... Yeah. That is a good time for a fast break. We'll be back on Material Is Your Business with Sylvia Heisel right after this. Greetings, Mouth Media Network listener. My name is Davin Riley, and I'm willing to bet you like music. And even if my assumption is wrong, I still think you should come and check out our show, The Music Lover Podcast, where we sit down with entrepreneurs, pioneers, artists, and the unsung heroes of the music industry. Together, we'll uncover the insider perspectives on some of your favorite companies and artists as we analyze music business trends through a technological lens. Find us at the Music Lover Podcast. But remember, that's Music Lover without the vowels. M-S-C-L-V-R. Yes, we're that cool. And since you're cool too, we should be friends. The Music Lover Podcast. We'll see you there. Material is your business. We're here with Sylvia Heisel, the founder of Heisel and the guru when it comes to 3D printing, especially for the fashion industry. And I know that you are very famous and known for an incredible coat and dress that you made 
3D printed from start to finish. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about the process and, and how you went from ideation into actual creation and production. Okay. So that dress, well, the first piece was a dress that was completely not wearable. The first dress we made was two years ago, and it was by request from a 3D printing company that wanted to display a dress at a trade show. And at the time, there were no flexible materials. So it, it's kind of a mesh that snaps together. If you think of a dress that's made of Lego, it's kind of like that. And so we made it and we did really great photos of it. And it got a lot of attention, which was really nice, but you couldn't sit down in it because it would just all pop apart and <laughs> not practical, really. I guess, it even though it looks cool. It wasn't really functional. <laughs> um, and then a year later, we did the first flexible filament dress and that premiered at the beginning of 2016 on the runway at the Consumer Electronics Show, CES, in January. And from there, we did a few different pieces with flexible filament, um, and we're still developing that. The first pieces were in a rubber filament called Ninja Flex, and it's a sort of super strong industrial material. The ones we're doing now, we're working um, with a couple of different compostable and sustainable filaments to make um, to make clothes out of that, and. At this point, those the first pieces, the first pieces also really were kind of bulky on what could we do, how flexible could we make it, and could we really join the pieces and put them together and have them be a, a good fit. And we we're working right now, what we're doing is we're working with flat pieces. So it's as if you were printing pieces of a garment instead of cutting them out. It's not a true 3D. We're not printing it in one piece. We're printing it as the pieces of the garment and then joining them together and creating the garment so that it's truly zero waste and you have no excess. You don't even have seam allowances in it because the pieces just solder together. Um, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> the, you know, we were talking about the, the, differences and some of the challenges of connecting the tech people and the 3D printing people and the fashion people, this was where we had funny things with having, you know, we needed to convert from flat patterns to 3D print files, which are STL files. And the first people we worked with on it from 3D printing world were all like, well, what is it? What does a dress look like flat? They couldn't visualize it um and uh it was it was challenging so as you're doing that creation process I guess there's there's technical considerations that the traditional fashion designer needs to be aware of about the properties and the process of 3d printing that are not found in the traditional fashion designer right. dress or coat that right you need to think about yeah, like you, you said seam allowances the actual material that you're using has an effect on on the on the design, design. And creation yes. Um, you can do, there's a lot of things that you can do in terms of customizing patterns and things that you couldn't do in traditional textiles that are incredibly cool that you can take a graphic and you can 3d print that graphic onto 
the piece and you have a one of a kind piece that way that you 3D print and stuff like that that you couldn't do with a traditional material. But you also have all these limitations of how much it'll stretch, how it'll fit, what you can make, what you can't. Well, the potential is extraordinary. Right. That it, it's amazing the how future you got. The looks future looks amazing. amazing. And it's actually extremely interesting. And I know a lot of people here would be interested to hear a little bit more about it. Um, the, you talked a little bit um, on the fiber aspect of 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 the 3d right. printer I'm, I'm i'm more of the machine person i take a machine apart and put okay. it back together okay cool so I, I i can you tell us a little on the terms on what is how the machine lays down there's one okay. the dripping and there's the dripping there's well there's actually there's there are three primary types of 3d printing and the first one is that you're laying down, you're melting a material and you are laying it down in layers, which is what we've worked with, which is FDM. It's fused deposition modeling. Um, and that, that you're building layer upon layer. There is the, you know, the, the Adidas shoe is with a resin and it's a it's lasers and light. You take a, you take a vat of this kind of gooey stuff and you shoot lasers through it and it selectively hardens only certain parts and that part just kind of comes out cool of the of this goo um and then the rest of the goo goes back in and made is made into the next shoe that way um and then sls which is select laser sintering is taking box full of powdered material of some kind, and they do this with powdered metals and nylons and things, and shooting lasers through it that harden only the selective parts. And then they they use giant sort of hairdryer things to blow out all the excess, and then that gets reused. Reused, recycled. Yeah. I know looking at these three really interesting different processes that you yourself are also very interested in building and taking apart machines. And I know you built one. Can you tell us a little bit about that process and why you built it and what it does? Sure. So we, we built it, um, for people who are really geeks, what we did was we hacked a CNC machine and made it into a 3d printer, um, because we needed to print textiles. So we only needed about a very two or three inches on the z-axis and we needed a very big bed of an x and y and so it was a so it was a, an interesting experience we worked with some people who had done one before and they came out and we built it and we filmed it and and it's not something I want to repeat. Quite honestly, it was a big lesson in. You know, I'm going to the, drag you back in. Okay, you know that. You know, right? <laughs> you can come and play with the machine and help us troubleshoot on it. There are people who are really good at making machines and who really love it, and most of them don't live in New York City, where space is also really expensive. So they can spread out, have all their stuff, have plenty of place and time to really work on the machines that we don't have and they can do a much better job than 
I ever will, certainly. Uh, and I know when you were building it, you had mentioned something about making it completely flat and that that actually becomes a challenge as well for the bill plate to be completely flat. And yes. I just wonder, is that a general issue? And if you think about where you're printing these things, are, are considerations of the ground and the atmosphere around you, does that actually have an impact on a person's home machine? Say it, they it depends. You know, it depends on the type of printing and what you're printing um, and all you know that that's where it gets really complicated with there's so many different issues with 3d printing and different types of printing for what we were doing that was this incredibly challenging thing of leveling the build plate um, and making sure that the surface was a hundred percent smooth and flat and even across a large area um, there are other kinds of 3D printing where that's a non-issue. Such You're an interesting because, yeah. You know, it's interesting because the um, the Schifferly machines, that's why right. they were so strongly in the uh, North Bergen sector because uh -huh. of the grounds. It was rock. So oh, they interesting. Couldn't yes, the, the machines would, the um, needles would jump on the normal vibration that we have every day in every type of land. Wow. And that land is very steady, and that's why they build those big 10-yard Shifley machines. That's interesting. Shifley are embroidery machines, 10 yards. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, we've been, we've been working with um, some people that do other really big machines and build really big printers and things, and there are ways around that where you build out a huge giant metal box around the printer and things, but it becomes a lot, that kind of thing. You have to, you know, you start worrying about, well, how heavy is it and the ground and Just all this stuff. Just across the river. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that there are so many places, um, different groups and companies now, as well as schools that have printers and especially really large printers, but something we tend to see, especially with the fashion schools, is they're not being used that much and what do you think are some of the challenges and the educational issues now and what does the future look like or where can we take this to make it more acceptable and understanding and used yeah i well it kind of bothers me we've we worked with printing for some students and things and one of the things that we've seen is that design industrial design students are taught a lot about 3d printing um Architecture students are taught some stuff about 3D printing. Fashion students are still not taught 3D printing unless they specifically take a jewelry design class. And even then, they are not taught hands-on to use the machines. They're only taught the design part. And I think that has to change. You know, I think that it's so important in education right now to learn how to make things physically and how machines work and how do you how do you actually build stuff that's my biggest pet peeve i one of the very big successful things in europe is that they learn from the thread up mm -hmm. you you learn the thread how it's composed how it's created into a um, a machine, how it's woven, how it's knitted, and then you start with the design process. And here it's like sketch, send it overseas, and let's see how they can take care of it. Right. And it, that has to be set back and retaught. Yeah. And yeah. I the think people absolutely. that are interesting, so I, the most successful designers are the ones that know. Yeah. 
And I know that's something you said, you and I've spoken that you're very passionate about is yep. this education. How can you teach this community? And I yes. know you're looking at being able to offer that. Yeah, we, we've been looking and we're starting to do some workshops in 3D printing for fashion students um, and introducing them to actually using the machines um, hands-on and making things. Not everybody's going to be designers. Uh, right. End up being designers. So we still need that manufacturing force later on when the th things are developed. So yep. grabbing the students right now, they can open up their own factory later and service people and, and, and do you have any that. upcoming speaking engagements where maybe people can also hear more about you and what you're doing in 3D printing? Sure, absolutely. Um, in terms of workshops, I'll actually be I'll be speaking and doing 3D print workshops in October in Los Angeles at FITM. Uh, they have a materials conference there that is amazing, and I'll be part of that. Um, Sooner than October, um, I'll be speaking on 3D printing at the Summer Institute at FIT, which is June 5th through 8th, and we'll be talking sustainable textiles. And then I'll be at TexWorld at the Javits Center, which I know you'll be at too, which is going to be really exciting. Um, we'll be bringing machines and showing how showing people 3D printed stuff there. And I love that they reached out and that that's something that big shows and uh, and big programs are yes. starting to pay attention. If you were had like your glass bowl and were looking into the future and, and could put any wish on where 3D printing beyond being the trend it is now and the powerful force it can be, where you want it to go and what you think it can be, do you have any... I think the idea, thought. you know, I think one of the really exciting things is localized manufacturing, that it can be smaller factories closer to where people live. And so, you know, not everybody is going to be a designer. And I don't think everybody's going to have a printer at home. And, you know, it would be really great to get to your hotel room and press a button and have your outfit and you didn't have to bring it. But that's, you know, would you also want to like think, okay, I'm going to start from scratch and design my outfit first? That's a little challenging, but having localized factories that print and making it possible for smaller and independent designers to design and produce without having to go overseas and make millions of a something or of a whatever their thing is to make it cost effective is, I think, the promise of 3D printing as well as sustainability. That's where you should go on savethegarmentcenter.com, right. <laughs> .org, and take a look at our future plan because that's part that's, of the R&D yeah. and the developing in different cities, and it, it, it really gets to um, that. We have to learn from the, the, from the thread up and, yes. and the fibers up. Yeah. So that's a very good interesting way of looking at it. So you've done design, you've done the first 3D printed garment, you also created a machine. How do you see you and your brand going in the future? Ooh, so, you know, that's, it's a hard one. I think our, I see fashion going forwards as a much more open creative field where rather than it's a few designers who are building up their brand identity and controlling it very tightly, 
Um, I think a lot of the creativity is more about collaborations and about um, developing things that that people can express their personal styles with. And I think that, to me, is very important about my brand is not about developing, okay, this is Heisel, and if you want to buy clothes from Heisel, this is exactly what they look like, and this is our marketing campaign and all. It's much more about Heisel being a project to develop the ways to make clothing that are new and to make accessories and partnering with other brands and other people and other manufacturers and 3D printers to build that. That's actually very interesting. Can I, I'm going to squeeze in one more question. Yep. Sure. I find it so interesting, the collaboration now with R&D. Talk to me a little bit more about that. I think that, you know, I, Good design comes out of good manufacturing and about out of the materials and the processes and the equipment and that, you know, certainly when you work with industrial design or tech design for technology products, they start with the function and they start with the materials and they start with the, the all the, the hardware and the software and then they go to the design, but they assume that all that functionality is built in. And fashion starts with how it looks and then works backward, backwards into function. And I'm really interested in working on that function into fashion end of it and how designers can mix that. And- um, And it makes sense now where especially everyone is looking for not just what future innovations are, but what is something that I can customize, make it work for my particular purpose and, uh, you know, have it be empowering to what I need it to do. And a lot of times with these new innovations, we know that they can do things traditional materials can't do. And that's where design and fashion get fun. And I think it's very interesting because now you see the designers, instead of in the past being in a little corner and and saying, oh, my gosh, nobody could see my drawing. Now it's like, hey, what what is it? What is it that we do that you did last week? How did you do that? So they can develop their own collections. I found it super interesting. I think it is. And I think I think that, you know, to me as a designer, it's much more interesting to collaborate on projects and to work with other creatives to go, okay, let's make something together rather than, okay, this is just my vision for everything. And it's sort of, this is the way it is. You know, that gets really boring after a while. It's a new generation of design. Yeah. Let's pause there. It's time for a break. And then we'll be back with our final segment. That's where we get into fun, personal questions on remnants right after this. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion, technology, and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. 
Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at mouthmedianetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot, and now back to the show. We're back with Material Is Your Business, and we're really excited to be here with Sylvia Heisel. And it's time for... And now, it's Remnants. That's right, it's Remnants. Uh, It's our fun, personal time where we get to know you a little bit better. We don't know anything about what we're going to ask. We are just going to pull tear strips of fabric and pull it out of a hat and see who goes first. So today, I think we should probably use a Sylvia Heisel 3D printed fabric. We're going to rip it, put it in the hat, and okay, time to pull. And it's Samantha. <laughs> You're up. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about machines. Okay. But if you were to have your choice of fiber and create your own fabric, what would be your preferred balance in fiber and why? Ooh, Okay. I would work backwards on that and start with what do I want that piece of clothing, piece of material, thing that's next to my body to feel like, and what do I want it to do, and what do I want it to look like? And at that point, I would be like, okay, I want to look really thin and really beautiful and really 25 and really (laughs) tall, which I am totally not. And kind of sparkly. And then I'd want to, I'd want it to make, you know, to do stuff. Maybe it would help me fly or stay warm or anything else. So I want the fiber that can do all that. That is awesome. Magic. <laughs> Let's, anybody have, know, have Do it? you know what, do you know what fab, fiber that would be? Can you help? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're the fiber on the machines, remember? <laughs> okay. <laughs> What machine am I using to make these clothes? <laughs> and can you build it yourself? Which right. you probably can. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, my turn. So if you had to wear one article of your clothing that you've designed for the rest of your life, which of your pieces would it be, what it's made of, and why? Ooh, that's hard. That's really hard. Um, the idea of wearing one piece of clothing forever is so depressing. <laughs> I would be so miserable getting up every morning and going, okay, I've got to put the same thing on. Um, that said, it's probably a T-shirt or something really basic and pajama-ish. But that leaves open for the future that you create a shape-shifting outfit that does change material that and design and look on you. So it amazing. is one thing, but it yes. cha- does everything. Amazing. Let's do it. All right. So as you kind of think back on this conversation and your work, can you give us kind of one final message or thought or words of wisdom? Ooh, I guess it's the you know, the future holds amazing stuff for fashion and amazing new stuff that we can make and we just have to do it and make stuff. 
Awesome. And I know obviously you do work with 3D printing and consulting and promotional materials for right. every small to major brands. Yes. How can people connect with you? What's the best way for uh, them to reach out? The best way to reach out is through our website, which is heisel.co. And contact us there, send us an email, give us a shout, or find us on social on Instagram. It's heisel underscore co. And on Facebook, I think it's just Heisel for our page. I'm not sure. But we're pretty, it's a pretty Googleable name. So, yes, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sylvia, for being thank here. Thank you. And so great. For Samantha Cortez, adios. And I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everybody. Thanks for being with us. We're not going anywhere. We'll see you soon on Material Is Your Business. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.